Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio was popping. Everything, bro. Oh my gosh. Like, we could just do a whole entire episode based on our weekends alone. It, uh, we could. You got to go experience Baja Mar in the Bahamas. Shout out SLS Baja Mar. If you ever have the opportunity to go, please go. On a scale of 1 to 10. 15. 15? Yes. Like, I was very fortunate a long, long time ago, like six years ago, wife and I took the kids with another couple mm -hmm. and their kids to Atlantis. Yes. And that was cool. Yeah, yeah. But I heard Baja Mar is like next level. Uh, next level. I've never done it. Yeah. Would, you'd recommend it? I'd re highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Uh, I need a passport. Yes. And I need a COVID test. You'd, uh, you need a, either a test and, or, yeah, a COVID test and or vaccine. And or vaccine. Yeah. So if I'm vaccinated, I can go. You can go. Still need to get tested, but yeah, you can go. Pool scene was good. Amazing. Beach scene was good. Out of control. Club scene. Jesus, stop. How about the how about the gambling? Oh my gosh. Legend has it. Legend, Legend. has it. You might have got on a heater. I listen. You know. He, hey, shooter, shooter. Hey, who wh who were you with the first time you ever shot <clears throat> dice? That would be the gentleman sitting across from me right now. That'd be that Dustin. Was your first time. That was my first I, time. I remember some of that night. I, as do I. No, I, <laughs> I, I, every side. You know, you play blackjack at first, and it's like, all right, it's whatever to me. I really don't like it. Then you got someone. My boy Ty got me to roulette, and that was my game for a while. Really enjoyed roulette. Um, but now craps is my thing. Yes. Craps is Yeah, we were at Aria. Yes. It was two years ago. God. You had just onboarded at Waterstone. Like, I'm like, hey, by the way, we have a work event <laughs> in Vegas. You're like, yeah? Yeah. I'm like, and you get to go. Are okay. you okay with that? Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I sat there, and uh, I, made, I made you. I asked you mm -hmm. to shoot on yeah. my behalf. Yeah. And uh, you hit my numbers. You said something like porn high, yo. You were throwing out these <laughs> crazy terms I didn't know. And apparently I wrote something and you just got happy. Look, if you ever want to win in craps, yeah. do what I don't do. What's that? No, just bet against me. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing, do the opposite. Right. I promise I'll have the most fun on the table. Oh, yes. I'll be the loudest on the table. Oh, sometimes yes. the most obnoxious. Oh, yes. Occasionally I'll be the one winning all the money, but most times not. Right. So statistically, it's probably better not to do what I do. But I was betting the horn high yo. Horn high Basically, it's one roll, either a two, a three, an 11, or a 12 okay. is what you want. Okay. If neither one of those numbers comes out, I lose my money. Okay. And if an 11 came out, I, may, I win more than if a two, three, or 12 came out. Okay. Yep. So horn high yo, yo is 11. Mm, gotcha. So if you say yo in the game of craps, you really mean 11. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because 7 and 11 sound alike. Mm. So in order to differentiate between 7 and 11, we call the 11 a yo. Makes sense. Don't know why. Yeah. I'll have to look that one up. Maybe Google will tell me. Okay. Yes. And then on my end, we had college football kickoff. Right. Like legitimately starting with my UCF Knights on Thursday. Go Knights. They took them two days to win that game. <laughs> it started on a Thursday, ended on a Friday. <laughs> right? Then we had some great games on Saturday. A unbelievable game oh, yeah. when the fighting Irish of Notre Dame came down to Tallahassee to take on the warrior Seminoles mm -hmm. of Florida state went into overtime mm -hmm. and the fighting Irish prevailed. But you know, what we got to see what did you get to see number 10 back on the field, mm -hmm. UCF's own mm -hmm. McKenzie Milton. There you go. The man, so it was really awesome to see KZ do his thing. Good. I'll be rooting for number 10 all season long and uh, look forward to the Seminoles having um, a turnaround season mm -hmm. under the leadership of KZ. There you go. All right. Now, on to today's show. Yes. On to today's show, which, by the way, this episode, man, this is the first episode that we're releasing mm -hmm. after 
the monumentous mm -hmm. episode that we recorded last mm -hmm. week with Barry Habib. Shout out Barry Habib. Shout out Barry Habib. Barry taught us one crucial aspect about our show. What's that? We can do it without headsets. You can. If need be, mm -hmm. we can do a show without headsets. Mm -hmm. We prefer it. Yeah. We prefer it because sometimes there's noise distractions. Right. But luckily, the episode we did with Barry, we're in a very secluded room. Yep. And shout out to the Hilton Bonnet Creek. Thank you. Because they put us in said room, which allowed us to cut out a lot of the background noise. Yep. If you're tuning in, like I had a, a listener, she's like, hey, Dio, like, where do you do your episode? By a hospital? She's like, because I, I very seldom yeah. will, I, will I hear, yeah. or occasionally I'll hear like fire engines. I'm like, no, we are literally about 100 yards from I-4, Interstate yeah. 4. Yeah. So we're up on the sixth floor of 2699 Lee Road, mm -hmm. which is the office building. And we pick up some of the background noise yeah. coming in from I-4. Yeah. Sometimes it's a presidential motorcade. <laughs> Sounds because like in order to to get from the airport to many locations, you have to go right past this office. Yeah. So, um, but no, shout out to Barry. Kudos to Barry for taking the yeah. time. What a consummate professional. He showed up on time. He told me we had 25 minutes. He gave us 26 25. minutes, yep. took a picture um, and, and just, um, he didn't have to do that and he did. Yeah. So we're, we're forever grateful. Yes, sir. Um, if you're tuning in, cause you first watched Barry, you're like, oh, I kind of like that, 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 uh, format and that mm -hmm. content I'd like more mm -hmm. then we say thank you. And if you're tuning in on YouTube, please know you can subscribe mm -hmm. and comment because we love to interact with our listeners and our viewers via those comments. Mm -hmm. If you would rather listen to us, you can do so on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, or really anywhere that you can find podcasts. We also have social media links almost everywhere mm -hmm. except for Pinterest. Pinterest. Mm -hmm. But we are on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and LinkedIn at The Lone Officer Podcast. If you want to connect with me individually, I am Dustin Owen, and I'm easiest found on LinkedIn. Yep. He is just John or John Coleman, and he is best found on Google. There you go. Whew. So, John. Yes. We have a viewer request. Okay. Viewer request, which means that's a YouTuber. Yes, sir. Right? Listener request will probably be someone coming in from Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Right. Viewer request. Mm -hmm. What are we going to chat about today? I'm going to talk about recruit dealing with recruiters and transitioning. Yes. And transitioning, we're talking about transitioning mm -hmm. from one employer to the other. Correct. That type of transition. Because there's multiple types of transitions that, mm -hmm. that can be made. Yeah. You can transition from one career into the mortgage industry. Um, you can transition out of one relationship into the next. Right. But we're going to talk about transitioning mm -hmm. from your current employer to your next employer. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to give my own two cents. And this is, again, the world as I know it, right. or what I call the world as Dio knows it. Then you give me shit for talking about myself in the third person. <laughs> and also dealing with recruiters. Mm -hmm. Because as someone who works in a bit of a higher level management role, mm -hmm. part of recruitment falls on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So I can empathize with my friends who are in recruiting, but I can also empathize with my friends who are in the field who incessantly get browbeat mm -hmm. by recruiters. Mm -hmm. And then the real question was something along the lines of, hey, Dio, I currently work for XYZ company and I'm looking to leave. How do I do this? What do I do with prequels? What do I do with loans in the pipeline? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Right, like, how do I politely leave, not burn any bridges, mm -hmm. and then transition to my new employer? So I want to talk about both because the two of them are intersecting. And I'm going to start with recruiters, then we'll spend more of our time talking about the actual transitioning aspect. Okay. Okay. So first and foremost, 
how do you deal with recruiters? There's no good way to, to, to do it, okay? I would try to ask everyone to remember that, they're, that they, like you, are just a salesperson looking to do a job. Mm. At the end of the day, their job is to make enough phone calls to throw a, a wide enough net so that if someone is entertaining, leaving their current place of, of employment, maybe they call them on the day that they're most willing to talk. Okay, so be as polite and professional as possible without being angry and ugly because you never know who that person will work with or work for next, right? They may be someone that your employer hires and puts into a different role and that role is to support you and they might remember that interaction, right? Mm -hmm. You just never know. And life's too short to be a dick. And this is, by the way, pot calling the kettle black. Like this is advice I have to give myself. Like, hey, Dustin, this person is just trying to do their job. Mm. Now, recruiters, those are tuning in. Like, look, know something about me. Mm. Do some kind of due diligence or be upfront and honest. And be like, hey, man, I've done no research and I know nothing about you, but I see here that you work for a mortgage company. Are you interested in career opportunities outside of where you are? I'm a big fan of keeping it honest. Keep it simple. And be honest and be yourself, but preferably know something about me, mm-hmm. right? I have a guy who works at another mortgage company and he and I know of some of the same people. I don't know if we've ever sat down and had ourselves even a hour long lunch in the past 15, 16 years, but our paths have definitely crossed and he incessantly tries to recruit me. And I so want to say to this guy, dude, my group outproduces your group four to one. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 come on over. Yeah. It'll like, be a great, you'd be a great fit. Yeah. Like, please stop. Like it should be me recruiting you, yeah. but I'm not. And there's a reason behind it, but I don't play that game. So I just, you know, I try to stay polite, try to stay surface level, give a couple ahas, a couple winks, a couple nods and, and move on. Yeah. But when you're that loan officer or that loan partner, it is annoying. I get it. I'm raising my hand and saying, yes, especially when you're newly licensed. Hey, I'm newly licensed. I've had my license for 100 days. I've closed zero loans, but I've received five phone no calls. So question for you, in, th- in this industry, how prevalent uh, are recruiters in recruiting? Because, you know, in, I understand recruiters at EA, they'd be like, hey, we're looking for XYZ kind of developer, very niche role, and they go find it. But I didn't see them, like, banging down doors, making hundreds of calls a day. So much of this industry always has been, let's find warm butts to put in cold seats. Mm. Period. End of story. If you're licensed... And you can fog a mirror, we'll hire you. Really? So many companies will operate that way. It's a numbers game for them. If I'm being recruited that way, it's going to make me take a step back and be like, hmm, I haven't closed any loans ever. And you, you want me? I want you. Yeah. But, so what is what is that like? They So I'm a new loan officer. I just got it. And their phone rings and they have like ABC recruiting. I'm like, hey, just saw you got your license. Like, Would you like come work for us? And like, that's... Well, look, if if you're newly licensed, you are looking for a place to go, right? Right. If you're newly licensed, you should be out interviewing the top four or five lenders in your market to figure out who's going to be the best fit for you, especially understanding that those first two years are crucial. Mm -hmm. You need to find a company that is going to train you, support you, mentor you. You need to find a company that you're going to surround yourself with a bunch of professionals that you want to be like, Mm -hmm. right? That's the whole birds of a feather flock together. If you want to increase your level and anything, then you surround yourself with people that you want to be like. I mean, that's a, uh, what's the other old adage? Uh, Show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are type thing, right? 
Yeah. I'm sure your mom told you that a lot growing <laughs> up, JC. <laughs> right. But it's true. There's some truth behind it, right? So when you're newly licensed, but I'm saying like once you're newly licensed and you found that employer, you did the whole interviewing circuit, you found that company that you're like, yeah, my boss is a great, great dude or great gal, and she's going to to invest in me and they have training and they have systems and processes and there's seven other people in my organization, three are top producers and four of them are average producers who came through the same training program that I did. This is where I need to be. And those people are getting recruited. Well, you have to stop and ask yourself, well then am I really special? And the answer is eh, probably not. You're just another phone number and another name. And then how do I deal with it? As polite and professional as you can, knowing that it's annoying. And recruiters, if you're the people that are just doing your job, all I'm going to ask you is just be upfront, honest, and forthright. That's it. Upfront, honest, and forthright. It's at least what will work for me, with me, and anyone that I know. Are recruiters, like in this industry, are they, do they tend to be shady or kind of like, you know, not conniving? I don't want to use that kind of terminology, but is it? I wouldn't say this industry, and I wouldn't say just recruiters. Okay. Right? That's not fair. Right. I would say that in general, there are people who are self-serving individuals. They're putting their needs above anyone else's. And yes, there's going to be people who tell you what you want to hear versus reality. Or worse, they're going to tell you what someone else told them, not verifying or knowing firsthand that's reality. I mean, that's a, um, here's advice I'd give to anyone, and we'll get into our transition aspect, because I'm kind of done with the recruiter aspect. But when you are being recruited, you need to consider the source. Like, what are they telling you? Like, what's the reason why you should leave your current employer and go work for their company? Right, the first thing I'd ask the person that's recruiting me, how long have you been there? Right, if this company is so great, then let me ask you, how long have you been there? If your answer is anything less than two years, it's gonna make me wonder, how do you really know it's great? Especially if you've been there less than nine months. You know, it's like, I, what, what do you know? I just you're, started myself. Yeah, yeah, you're still feeding me the same line of bullshit they fed you to get you to come over. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, yeah. no. Now, that doesn't mean that person who's only been there for three months or nine months or 18 months doesn't have a good feeling for the type of company it is. But I would recommend you ask to speak to someone who's been there a little bit longer. Right? You, you should, if you're entertaining, making a move, make sure you're making the move for the right reasons. And not just because someone who's been there for less than a year is telling you it's a great place to work. No. Ask to speak to someone who's been there for the past three years, five years. Ask to speak to somebody who is at a level that you want to achieve, right? Someone who's better than you. They're more successful than you. They're more experienced than you. Ask them, why did you like working here? Why do you stay? Why do you not leave? What do you wish you could change? Like these are all things that if I'm contemplating making a move, I should be asking that of the organization. I know that when I'm recruiting on behalf of Waterstone Mortgage, I literally would tell anyone who's interested in working here, mm-hmm. once we made it through all the reasons why they might not want to work here, and they're like, nah, this is the place I want to be. Then I'm going to say, hey, I could give you three names to say, call these three people and ask them what it's like to work here. But those three people, I could have hand-selected, right? right? I could be monetarily... Uh, compensating them to give good reviews. Or I could just say, hey, here's my loan officer roster. I'd recommend you call any one of these people Mm -hmm. and ask them, how long have they been in an organization? What do we do well? 
What do they wish we did better? Why do they stay? Yeah. Right? Because that's, you should be able to do that. In fact, you should, if you're contemplating leaving your current employer, those are things that, that you should be doing, not just talking to the recruiter whose job is to get you to onboard. That's how they get compensated. Some will tell you anything you want to hear. Some will will tell you the truth, and some will tell you what they think is the truth. And I would say most would tell you what they think is the truth based on what the actual leadership team has shared with them. Yeah. Right? All they're doing is regurgitating sales bits. Yeah. Right? That's, that's what they're doing. All right. Why you should leave. Why would you leave a company? Never, ever, 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 ever make it solely about product. Mm. Products come and go, ladies and gentlemen. They just do. Oh, this lender, th this lender's doing foreign national loans. I need to go work there. Yeah, they're doing foreign national loans until they're not. Mm. Oh, well, this lender has this really good loan product for investors. Well, that's a really good loan product until Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac change their guidelines, at which point that product's irrelevant. Yeah. Right? So you should never join a company solely because they have a product. Now, you may go work for a company because they do a certain product that you already do well. For example, I have an opportunity to be the preferred lender with a builder who's getting ready to build 120 homes over the next three years. And this builder requires construction or permit financing, or what we call CP loans. Mm -hmm. My current employer, we don't do them well, nor do we do them in-house. Okay. That person, because they already have the relationship with the builder, they're already doing the pre-approvals for the potential home buyers. That person may very well need to find a company that does X, Y, and Z really well. And X, Y, and Z may be support their loan officers, close loans on time, have a great back office um, uh, sales support team processors, underwriting closers, and oh, by the way, they do CP lending really well. So when you say like when someone when a place does a product really well, what does that mean exactly? Like, hey, I, we do uh, construction perm really well, but maybe conventional not so much. Like, what is that? You'll I, rarely find that. Okay. Yeah, you you won't be able to do any of those niche products well if you don't do the 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 ninety five percent well. Like, look, ninety five percent of every loan that's being originated in the United States this year is going to be a conventional loan, an FHA loan, a VA loan, or it's going to be your standard run of the mill jumbo. Right, an 80 LTV, a 90 LTV, up to a million dollar loan amount, 30 year fix, just standard, con like conforming underwriting guidelines, but it's considered a jumbo because the loan size is non conforming. Mm -hmm. That's the 95%. When I'm coaching and teaching loan officers, I will tell them be damn good at the 95%. That 95% is not going away. Now, there's another 100 loan products out there that fill the void of the 5%. Mm -hmm whether they're bank statement loans, whether they're debt service loans, whether um, they're construction or permanent, which by the way, is still a conventional loan. It's just a little bit different. Um, you know, there's foreign national, there's, I mean, there's a plenitude of, of specialty products out there. Mm -hmm. um, so a company wouldn't necessarily not do FHA, VA or conventional well. Okay. But there are many companies that they, they just don't offer the product of a, of a, construction loan. Maybe gotcha. they're not a big enough company that they handle it all in-house. Maybe they have to outsource the underwriting. They have to outsource gotcha. certain aspects of it that just make it clunky. Gotcha. Right. Or maybe they don't offer a 30 year fixed. Maybe they offer the product, but it's, it's only on an arm. 
Mm. Or maybe they offer the product, but it's not a one-time close. It's a two-time close, meaning the consumer has to qualify at the beginning of construction, then qualify again nine or 12 months later when the home is complete. Mm. Uh, maybe they don't have flexible draw schedules. Maybe their builder approval process is clunky. Mm -hmm. So you know, there, there would be a reason that I'm like, you know what? The bulk of my business is still helping people purchase homes utilizing conventional FHA, VA, USDA lending. But I had this opportunity with this home builder that could add an incremental 20 closings a year, at which point in order to do so, I need to be working for a company that offers this product. So now I need to not only seek a company that offers a product, but also need to make sure that they're just as good, if not better than the company I'm leaving. Gotcha. But normally when you're looking at, at, at moving companies, I will never, ever, ever give someone advice to move for product alone. Oh, well, they have a they have renovation lending. They do foreign national loans. And I, I want to ask that, that loan officer, how many renovation loans have you done in your career? How many foreign national loans have you done? And by the way, how many are you planning on doing? Uh, how many How many do the people that work there do? Right? Because yeah. it, it, when, when you break it down, like you may be leaving a structure or a system that helps you actually close six to eight more loans a year, whether it's because their ability to close loans quickly or the support you get with their scenario desk or their underwriting team or having a dedicated processor, you're leaving that to go work for some place that has these two niche products at which I'll tell you from experience, you'll be lucky if you close one of each. So your net pickup is a negative six, right? You gave up the eight loans yeah. that you could, that you would have done staying with your current employer to pick up the two loans that your current employer didn't. It, it just, it never makes sense. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it make sense. Mm -hmm. You normally are going to leave your current employer because you're not getting the support you desire. Mm -hmm. Period. End of story. Those have been successful transitions. Now, the support you desire is pretty broad based, right? It could be, dude, my loan, my company doesn't close my loans on freaking time. Okay. You need to talk to somebody, yeah. right? Like if you're missing closing dates because you're not processing and underwriting and funding loans in a timely manner, mm. then you, you need to look at other places of, of, of doing business. If you're, if you're not getting so the support you need, like it takes you days to get one of your managers to call you back to help you structure a pre-approval yeah. or you don't have access to a scenario desk or if you can't talk to your processor or talk to your underwriter, yeah, you may very well determine this company is not, not for me. I need to go work for a company where I can have a dedicated processor, well, when I can have access to my underwriter, when I do have a loan scenario desk. That there's places that are operate like that where like the yes. loan officer doesn't I'm I'm yes. jaded because oh. I sit because I'm here hey. and I all I know is like yes. you know Kevin Murphy coming out talking to his processors, talking to his loan partner. So like for me, this is the norm. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely look the the mortgage industry is the industry, and then within the industry there's various business models. And people have their own business models for various reasons. Right? Maybe that person who doesn't have all of that support, maybe they have interest rates that are one eighth cheaper. Mm. Gotcha. You know, but then my argument is like, what good is that one eighth cheaper interest rate if you can't get loans closed on time and people won't, won't refer you? You know, or what good is that one eighth interest rate if you're constantly having to process your own loans and babysit them and you can't do your number one job, which is to go out there and prospect and market. Yeah. Right. So people would also leave the employer because, hey, this company I'm going to go work for, they're actually going to show me how to build a team. They're going to provide me free loan officer coaching. They have this database marketing program that I can tie into and they already have a team that will manage and market my database for me, you know, but 
there, there's always you know ebb and flow yeah. that or there's give and take when it when it comes to that. Maybe that particular company pays 115 basis points, not 130. At which point you have to look at what your production level is and say, well, if I had all of that support, could I still make more money? Because mm-hmm. it won't necessarily be about the bips that you earn. So that's another thing that I would never, ever, ever tell someone to leave for is better comp nor better pricing. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you have to you have to look at it from a like I'm say a rubric. <laughs> better pricing by its by its own merit is no reason to leave your employer. People work with people. 50% of your clients are going to work with you because you talk to them first. Yeah. That yeah. Half of your clients are, are going to work with you because of you. The other half are going to be somewhere between hardcore shoppers and, and obligatory shoppers. Obligatory shopper is, hey, I checked with my bank and you're in the same ballpark as my bank. You're way better than my bank. I'm going to use you. Yep. Hardcore shopper, you're never going to win them either. Anyhow. You'd have the cheapest rates in, in town. You're not going to win that person over. It's a crapshoot. It's yeah. John Coleman, right, sitting sitting in Baja Mar trying to hit the yo for me, Dio, right? Go. I love betting the yo because it's 15 to 1 odds, uh, 17 to 1 odds that will actually hit, though. So figure that one out. There's 17 to 1 odds that the 11 will be rolled and only pays 15 to 1. Probably not that smart of me to – but it's fun when you hit it. You bet $5, you win 75. It's fun. Whoa, that's what oh – Well, yeah, God. that's how that works. That's how that works. So anyhow, I digress down a rabbit hole back on to why you would leave. Okay, like these are all reasons why you would leave. So you wouldn't leave, in my opinion, just for pricing. You also wouldn't leave just for comp. Now, if you compared CRM, marketing, sales support, operational support, and slightly better pricing and slightly better comp, okay, at that point, maybe slightly better comp and pricing would have been what put you over the edge. But normally, I'm going to tell you, you don't get that. You don't, like, it's it's a give and take. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, what's more important? Do you want to make more basis points but get less support? And you think that's a better way to run your business? Or would you rather make a little bit less basis points but have the most support you've ever had, at which point you enjoy what you're doing, you're more productive, you close more loans, therefore you make more money? Mm-hmm. Obviously, by based on how I just spelled that out, you know where I stand on that. Yeah. Interest rates, I'm going to promise you this. Recruiters will show you whatever rate sheet you want to see. That's a dirty trick. Once they have you on board and they ratchet up their pricing, Mm. they already know that it's so painful transitioning that you're not going to now leave. Got them. Got them. Exactly. (laughs) Got them. That's a dirty trick to be be cognizant of. Okay. Look, we all borrow our money from the same people. Right? We're all selling and delivering loans to aggregators, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac or, or, or Jenny Mae security pools. Like, the, the business model is the business model. It costs X amount of dollars for processors and Y amount of dollars for underwriters, X amount for QC and Compass or whatever your loan origination software needs their cut. You want your cut. The branch wants their cut. Man, this wheel, it's the same wheel. Pizza is pizza is pizza. Mm-hmm. Some people prefer Marcos. Some people like Domino's. Other people, you know, they like Pizza Hut. Yeah. Right? I'm more of a Papa John's guy myself. Actually, I'm not a Marcos guy myself. Yeah. Papa John's would come in second. It's still pizza. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to make it and deliver it a certain way. Mm-hmm. There's going to be small differences, but usually it's the same pie. Right. Mortgage industry works the same exact way. So to go work somewhere because they're going to show you better pricing, what good is that if 30, 60, 90 days is no longer there? That makes sense. Right. So it's about making the right decisions. And a lot of times people make, make the decision because who they need to change is the most difficult change. And that's the mm-hmm. man or woman yep, in the mirror. In the mirror. Yeah. So instead of making the hard change, like, ah, I'm going to do the easy change. I'll just leave. Yeah. 
Like back when I had hair, I'd get a new hairstyle. There you go. Right? Or like like I, I watch some of my some of my, my, my female relatives and all of a sudden it's a new hair care hair, hair color. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they need to change. Yeah. Right? Other people, they just get a new boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, I need to change. Yeah. Some people are like, oh, I'm just gonna change my job. Right. Eh, you know, it's probably not the job. It's probably, probably the you. person who works the job, yeah. but that person's the, the hardest person to get to change. It's true. All right, so the last thing I haven't covered yet is how do you do it? Yeah. Right. You made the decision, hey, I'm going to make a change. I'm gonna transition. This is the world according to Dustin Owen. Here's what I need you all to understand. If it is a loan in process, it stays with your employer. Period. End of story. If you have apt and disclosed that loan, that is your employer's loan, whether they pay you for it or they don't pay you for it, that's between you and them. Personally, I think it's a dick move not to pay a loan originator for a loan that they procured, apt, disclosed, locked in after they leave. It's just the world according to me. If it's someone that you have pre-approved, it's a little give and take. The first question I would ask is, well, who procured the lead? If that lead was referred to you by your employer, it stays with your employer. If you went out and self-generated that lead, but you haven't pre-approved, but they're not under contract yet, you, in my opinion, should be able to call your employee, that, I'm sorry, your borrower, your client, and say, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be leaving on Friday and going to a new mortgage company. I can hand your file off to Susie in my office and she can take great care of you if that's okay with you. And then shut up and see how your client responds. More times than not, your client's like, well, could I not do a pre-approval with you at your new company? At which point my answer is going to be, look, my cell phone number is still the same. Please give me a call on Monday and I'd be more than happy to do a new pre-approval for you. Yeah. Okay. To me, again, I'm not legal. I'm not an attorney. I have not seen your employment agreement. This is how I would operate. If that borrower was procured by your employer, someone within your institution gave you that lead, it needs to stay. That's the right thing to do. If you procured the lead, it, it should follow you as long as you present it to that borrower the way that I just mentioned. And then any new lead coming in, especially any new lead again, that you procured, if you didn't procure it, then it needs it needs to stay in-house. Yeah. That's the right thing to do. Don't steal. Don't be a thief. But if you procured it came from one of your past clients, one of your referral sources, and John Coleman, you're calling me on Tuesday, and I know that Friday's going to be my last day uh, here at Waterstone before I transition to somewhere else, yeah. I may say to you, hey, John, I just need to be forthright with you. I know you're calling in for a mortgage pre-approval, and I would, I'm going to help you. But I'm going to be leaving Waterstone on Friday. Friday's going to be my last day. I'm going to go to a new mortgage company. If I do your pre-approval here, then um, I'll be more than happy to get your letter out to you by tomorrow, and I'll, I can hand your file off to someone who can see you to the end. Okay. Or you may, if you'd like, I can introduce you to my sales manager, where, to the company I'm going to go to, mm -hmm. and he or she can start your pre-approval today, and then when once I onboard with them next week, I'll be able to loop in and take over your file. Okay, that works. Yeah, I'd give it to you, the consumer assuming your lead was procured by me. Hmm. Also assuming that I'm not paid a salary to go out and, and bring leads in. Like there's definitely a gray area. That's why I'm like, look, I am not an attorney. This is just what, what I would look to do and what I would find acceptable. If one of my loan officers were to leave working for Waterstone, these are some of the rules and boundaries that I would um, want to follow. I wouldn't be mad at John Coleman, the loan officer, if, if that happened. Right. I would be 
pissed at John Coleman if you started taking loans out of my pipeline. Unless I specifically asked you to. By the way, there's been times that we specifically have gone through a loan officer's pipeline and said, hey, this loan's in here and it's not closing for like six months. You want to just take it with you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's something we've done. Yeah. We've sat down with our loan officers who are transitioning out. And that's just a rare occasion. Yeah. Usually it's like, look, leave it in the pipeline. We'll get it closed for you. Quit talking to the borrower and uh, we'll get you paid on it. That's how that's how we handle it. If it's a pre-approval that you worked on 30 days ago and they haven't purchased yet nor going on under contract and that person wants to follow follow you along, then then so be it. Right. Yeah, you know, so like that's that's some of the recommendations I would have for anyone transitioning. But again, I would caution you to make sure you're transitioning for the right reasons, which typically the right reasons are is this new company going to support me better than my current company? And is am I going to be able to take my career to the next level by working for this employer? If the answer is yes to both of them, then you make the move. You don't necessarily make the move solely about pricing, solely about product, um, nor would you ever make it about comp. Right. All three of those combined, coupled with better support, better leadership, better mentorship, by all means, that's a great recipe for somebody to make a transition. Just keep in mind what to do with your current pipeline. Sounds great. Awesome. Hopefully that answered every question that was posed in the... I don't know if it was a chat box or as a LinkedIn commentary. Mm -hmm. I can't quite remember where this particular request came into, but hopefully we did a good job of answering that question and offering some insight for those that are having to deal with recruiters or who are contemplating transitioning from one employer to the next. Mm -hmm. His name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. You have tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast. Please, if you're tuning in for the first time, like us, share, comment. Mm -hmm. Follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, at The Loan Officer Podcast. He is John Coleman, found on Google, and I am Dustin Owen, best found on LinkedIn. That is all the time we have for you today. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace.